Lord. Well, good morning. Welcome to Disciples House, where the, word, where the Word and Spirit come together to reveal the power of God, where we're not slothful in business, we're fervent in spirit, and we're serving the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 2.4 and Romans 12.11. Please be seated, and I'll start with the announcements. Thank you, Father God. Well, good morning, everyone. So, upcoming events, uh, we have the Prayer for the Nation, which we do every uh, Saturday um, morning at 8 a.m. Well, not every Saturday, but every first Saturday. So it's the first Saturday of the month, February 4th, we're going to do prayer for the nation at 8 a.m. And we'll also do it uh, March 4th um, at 8 a.m. So that's that's one of the things we do because Lord knows that the nation needs prayer. All you got to do is look outside and you'll, you'll know. Um, so February 12th, we're going to have a soup and chili fellowship right after service. Uh, please bring a pot of soup or chili along with uh, any needed sides. Uh, the church will supply the drinks and the uh, plates and bowls and all that stuff. Uh, so and then uh, March 10th, youth camp deposits are due. Uh, please uh, be praying about that and getting your uh, deposits ready. Because, uh, you know, many lives are changed for, at youth camp. Uh, I know mine was. So when I went many years ago, uh, many years ago, yes. All right, enough of that. And then uh, March 21st through the 23rd, uh, Brother, Brother Randy uh, Greer will be in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee for his Contending Faith Bible Conference. Um, and... Uh, it's a it's a good thing to go to if you're if you want to hear some good word. Uh, it's it's uh, three days, and uh, me and Robbie will probably be going. We'll definitely be going. I don't know why I said probably. <laughs> we'll definitely be going. Uh, but if you need more information on that, you can go to rgm.me, or you can ask me or Robbie about it. Uh, and then June 26th through the 30th, of course, is Generation Life Youth Camp, and. Uh, me and Robbie do the uh, games and activities there, so uh, it, and uh, Brother Randy does the preaching, so that's why we're attached to him. 
that's where we started out being attached to him. Um, okay, so meditation for the week. Before we start this, this morning um, during praise and worship practice, we were we were discussing uh, how things have changed in the world over the last forty years. How it used to be, uh, you know, you couldn't people people didn't just come out and say I'm gay. They they hid it, and people had. Uh, Yes, it was a taboo subject, and people didn't talk about it because, well, it was against the word of God. And, you know, honestly, that's been, that change has not just been going on over the last 40 years. It's been going on over the last 50 or 60 years. And, and what this is, is this is, the, this is one of Satan's tactics. He's been, he's been slowly, by small increments, turning up the heat, so to speak. Um, you know, there was a, there's, there was a study done... Uh, Okay, there was a study. There was a study done many years ago. That if you take a, fro a frog and put him in a pot of water and you slowly turn up the heat, he just sits there because he's he's getting used to the heat. He gets used to it. And when the water starts to boil, the frog, of course, boils to death. But if you take a, that same frog and you drop him in a pot of boiling water, he immediately jumps out. See, Satan's slowly turning the heat up on us. He's slowly turning the heat up on us so that we don't notice it. And and what the what the Lord is telling us to do in this day and age is to get out of the water, jump out of the water, because if we stay in the water, we're going to be consumed. And today's service, we're going to talk about how to get out of the water and how to stay out of the water. But that's not the title. <laughs> All right. All right. So our meditation for this week is First uh, Peter five ten. This is our in him scripture for the week. And it's, it states, uh, but after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who calls you to share his eternal glory in union with Christ will, per, will himself perfect you and give you firmness, strength, and sure foundation. So our, our confession, and, and we confess, uh, for those of you new to the church uh, or haven't been here before, uh, we, we confess things a lot because our words are powerful and our words create our... Well, it creates our existence, you know. Uh, so if you if you speak the right words in faith, it'll help you. Okay, so that's why we confess things. And this this confession isn't just for today; it's for throughout the week. People study on it and meditate on it. So, all right. So confession uh, for this one is: the God of all grace calls me to share His eternal glory. In union with Christ, he will perfect me, give me boldness, strength, and a solid foundation. All right. So our healing scripture for this week is out of Acts thirteen sixteen, And it says, and his name through faith in his name hath made his man strong. Let me say that again. His, his name. Through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yes, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. All right. So our confession, I have faith in the, in the name of Jesus. Therefore, I have been made strong. My faith in Christ Jesus brings me perfect peace. And health. 
Amen. All right. So uh, we do have an opportunity to bless one of our church members. Uh, please look in the bulletin to, to see that because I'm not going to call him out online. Uh, but just look over that. And if you have any questions, get with me and Robbie. Uh, well, let's pray. Lord, we come before you today, gathered together in your name. And we know you are with us. We know you will lead and guide us. We ask that you give me and Robbie the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for those that are here to, here to hear your word, here with an with a open ear, here with good ground, ready to receive your word so that it may grow and bear fruit in their lives and the lives of those that they come in contact with. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you gave everything for us, even when we didn't deserve it. Lord, we love you, and we glorify and we magnify you. We thank you for the ability to rebuke Satan in your name. Satan, we rebuke you. You must leave. You must flee. You must go in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You cannot interfere with this service, and we do not hear you, and you must leave in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Amen. Derek, our church confession for the, for the week. Let's all stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as king in life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Yeah, here we are in Christ. So we walk in that. I know that it's peace 
Take our lives, Lord. Take our will. Take our mind. Take our desires <clears throat> for you and only you. Only you, Father God. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. 
Hosanna. Expressing adoration. Joy. I see a generation rising up to take their place the selfless faith the selfless faith your way Lord I see a near Father God, we give you 
honoring things. Lord Jesus, the, ho the, the Lord and Chief of the hosts, we thank you for dispatching the messengers of God, the angel assigned to this house with the anointing. Father, for it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for dispatching the angel to come and to bring the anointing. And, Father, we thank you that Jesus' yoke is and burden are light. Father, we thank you that when we are weary and heavy burdened, we're able to come before you. And, and, that, and that the Lord Jesus takes that heaviness and that weariness and that burden, and he carries it and bears it for us. And so, Father, we thank you that in this day and in this hour, that we're, with, that we're not without hope, but instead we're with power, might, and dominion in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for that peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, we thank you that as the world waxes worse and worse, Father, we thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. Amen. And Father, we thank you that your hand of divine protection and provision are upon your people. And Father, we thank you for the anointing that is here and present with us today. Father, I thank you for that teaching anointing. And Father, as we position ourselves, Michael and I position ourselves to operate and flow in that anointing, Father, we ask that you give every person a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Father, place it down upon the good ground of their heart, Father God. Father, draw them, draw their hearts to you, Father God. And Father, place in them a deep desire to respond to your drawing and to the ministering of your word. Father, for your word brings life, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. And all that agree, amen, amen and amen. amen. As you're seated, turn around, greet somebody, tell them that you like them. <laughs> tell them that you like them. <laughs> Show them some love. Show him some love. Glory to God. Glory to God. There is a strong presence of the Lord this morning. I'm always grateful for that. It's hard to pre it's hard to preach when the anointing is not present. It is hard to preach when the anointing is not present. Well, this is not where I planned to go, but we're going to follow the Holy Ghost because that's what we do in this house. Amen. We always ask the Lord for His direction and His plan and His purpose. And uh, we want to follow that because, honestly, Michael and I don't know what your situation is. We don't know what's in your heart. I mean, we know what some of you tell us, but who knows if you're telling us the truth or not. Not being ugly, not saying there are people who are liars, but, you know, sometimes we like to sugarcoat, sugarcoat some things and just not be real honest. I was going to say, we taught them better. Well, we did teach them. We did teach them. We taught them the commandments, thou shalt not lie. You know, even the little white lies, we don't even do those. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes... You know, God knows. And sometimes you don't even know what's in your own heart. I know that there were, there's been many times that I've just spent time fellowshipping with the Lord and talking to the Lord and just honestly praying in the Holy Ghost, just sharing my heart with Him. 
And all of a sudden, I'll be a wailing baby, and I'm like, Lord, what's the matter? What is that? He'll say, I'm working some junk out. And I'll go, oh, I didn't know there was junk in there. Thank you, Father. And then he'll show me what the junk is. I'll go, oh, yeah, that's in there. You're right. So thank God that God knows the heart. Let's and, turn to... And sometimes, sometimes people will hold things back because Satan's whispering in their ear. They won't understand. They'll reject yeah, you. True. They'll forsake you. They will, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you so never to come you. back to the church. Yeah. But that's simply not the truth. No, no. All of us here started... In a hot mess. In a hot mess. <laughs> we'll and, just put and, it that and, way. <laughs> and many of us here are still in a hot mess, but we are, we are going forward. We're, we're pressing towards the high mark of the calling of God, and, and we're yes. going to come out of it, and we're going to yes. come through it. Yes. Glory we're not going to condemn anybody for anything they're in. No. But we will tell you if you need to change. Because exactly. that's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus came, he came preaching repent. Repent. Many people don't understand what that word repent means. It simply means change your mind, change the direction you're going. Change your mind, change your direction, change your thinking. Well, human nature doesn't like change, doesn't like it. But Jesus said to change. But I want to get to where the Holy Ghost said to go, so let's look at Matthew chapter 16. All right. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 12. 16, 12. Because a lot of people don't understand this range of scriptures right here. So let's, uh, let's pick up in Matthew 16, verse 12, and uh, we'll see how far Pastor Mike gets in his anointed reading before the teacher kicks in. <laughs> All right. Well, verse 12. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, for one or one of the prophets. Okay. So verse 12 is, is, is a summary of what had happened before. And what had happened before is Jesus had just got done feeding uh, actually, what he had just got done doing, let's, let's clarify this, because many people don't understand this. Jesus always taught before he fed. Before he took care of people, he always taught. He always taught. He always taught. The churches, sadly, uh, a lot of times don't have great success when they feed the poor with getting people saved, getting people healed, getting people restored, because they don't teach. They don't fully follow Jesus' example. So Jesus had just, they had, they had sat and listened to Jesus for all day, two days, and he, he, and he realized that I couldn't send them away hungry. They'll faint along the way because they've been fasting and been teaching this many times with the Father. So he broke the fish and broke the bread and fed them. Then the disciples, he, and he told his disciples, gather, it, gather up all the extras, and let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side. And then uh, he, he kind of had to correct him a little bit, and he thought, or the disciples thought that they were mad because they left the extra food behind. And, he, and that's not what he was, uh, that's not why he rebuked them. He said, uh, then, understood they, then understood they how that he bade them, not beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, he rebuked them 
because they were right back into unbelief. They were right back into their stupid thinking. That's what he rebuked them for. They hadn't changed their thinking. And their thinking was, well, Jesus is mad. They're thinking natural. Well, Jesus is mad because I left the bread behind. That's what he was talking about. And so he wanted to get them out of that state of mind, and he wanted to give them something else to think on and ponder on. And what the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is, is this. Here's what the leaven is. The leaven is their religious teachings. Religious teachings. If you get around anybody that has any type of poor behavior, well, it doesn't matter. If you get around somebody, you spend time with them, doesn't matter if they're good or bad. If you're around them long enough, eventually they're going to rub off on you. The way we like to say it is if you hang around the creek long enough, eventually you'll fall in. Well, us up here, we can understand that. You got to go over here to Fires Creek or one of the creeks around here, get around the bank and just say, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be by the bank and before you know it, you're wet from head to toe. You know, if you stay there long enough, you're going to get wet. And so that's what Jesus was telling them is if you hang around the Sadducees and the Pharisees, if you hang around their religious lawful teachings long enough, it's going to corrupt your thinking. Now, I've learned this, and, I, and, and recently, recently uh, we're on a side journey. Just work with me here. Uh, just recently, I, I asked Derek a question. I said, Derek, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how long did it take you to figure out that you couldn't be around the creek, around sin, before you figured out that if you're around it, you're going to fall into it? And he said, oh, Mr. Robbie, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, that he said, I'm sorry to say that took me years to figure out. I said, well, Derek, I said, why did you think that you could stand on one rock in the creek? Or I should say, <laughs> I said, really? I said, why is it that people think that, if they, that, they, that they're good in the creek as long as they don't get near that rock? That one particular That one rock. particular, I can, I can be around all the stuff, but as long as I don't get around that one rock, I'm not going to fall in. He said, Miss Robbie, that's not how it works. I said, well, I know, but that seems the way people think. And so that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, get out of the creek. Don't pick just a rock to hang around. Get out of the creek. That's what he was talking about ahead of time. And then he went on with this. Because, because they had been listening to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, Jesus wanted to know, who do the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious people, say that I am? The religious people, who do they say that I am? And they answered back to him, and they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. In other words, he's the, he, well, well, you know, we thought John was the forerunner of the coming Messiah, but this Jesus flows in, in, in a greater anointing. But he's not. The, but we don't believe he's the Messiah. So that must actually be John the Baptist. Uh, come back. And then they said, "Well, some say that you're Elijah, which is Elijah, because John the Baptist was the type. Was, Elijah was a type and shadow of John the Baptist. Uh, but they said, "Well, you're Elijah." And others say, "Well, you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets." How much you know? Jesus was none of those things. Nope. None of those. He was the prophet, but he was not a prophet. Um, and then uh, Jesus asked the most astonishing question. 
he said in verse 15, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? They asked a most astonishing question. He asked his disciples, his followers, Who do you say that I am? And this is a problem today. Many people think that Jesus was a good man. Many people think that Jesus was a, was a powerful man. Many people think that Jesus was very much so probably a prophet. But not everybody believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Some people believe that Jesus was an angel. Was an angel. Some people believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but he's also the brother of Satan. They do. They believe these things. So Jesus asked the very specific question, which is the same question I ask you. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? And some people think that Jesus was not even a person, but they've proven that Jesus was a real person. Um, and then look at what verse 16 says. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He said, Simon Peter said this. Simon Peter said, You are the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He said, Thou art the Christ. That word Christ in the Greek means anointed or Messiah. When they said the word Christ, they, what they heard was the word Messiah, which means the, which means the, Savior, of, which means, uh, the, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and, and so what he, what he was declaring was exactly what Jesus do you believe I am? And this is how I tell people, this is how, you know, we've done ministry, youth ministry for a long, long time, and now we do adult ministry, and this is what we always say. When, you, when you're talking to somebody, don't ask them, are you a Christian? Because different people have different meanings of Christian. Don't ask them, well, do you believe in God? Because, oh, my goodness, holy to moly. I was just, we're do, I'm doing research for our foundations class. And uh, I was reading some information by, from uh, Lester Summerall, and uh, I was—I I knew that Hindus served a lot of gods. Do you know that they serve over 300 million gods? Over 300 million gods. In fact, they say Hindu. that there's more Hindu gods than there are Hindus. That's what they say. So when somebody says, so if you ask somebody, well, do you believe in God? And they say, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Well, which God do they believe in? So you have to ask, do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God? His, he is your Lord and Savior. Or do you believe in Jesus Christ? Well, yes, I do. Well, who is he? Well, who is he? Is he just a man? Is he just a prophet? Is he the Son of the living God? Is he the Messiah? Who is he? It matters. But look at what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, Blessed art thou Simon Barjona. The Lord is amazing. Blessed 
art thou Simon Barjona? For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. The only way that somebody comes to understand who Jesus is is the Father of God, the Father God, the Father of Glory drops it down on the inside of them. He drops it down on the inside of them, and so that when, now now we have a part to play in this. As we talk to them about our Lord Jesus, and we say down on the end, we can say there's an if you don't have Jesus, there's an emptiness on the inside. But as I'm talking to you, you can if you'll check down on the inside, you'll sense that what I'm telling you is truth. You'll know, and they'll go, oh, I do feel yeah. There is a pull or a tug on the inside. That's the Lord Jesus, that's the Father God dropping down inside of you that Jesus is. He's dropping that revelation in you, and all you have to do is pick it up and receive it. Pick that revelation up and receive it, which is what Peter did, which is exactly what Peter did. Now, here's where some people get off. They say this. Uh, he said, <laughs> he said, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, which in the Greek means little rock. When he called him Peter, he said little rock. He said, and upon this rock, different word, which means big rock, or the rock of your revelation, I will build my church. The rock of the, this, this revelation, this solid revelation that I am the Messiah that is what I'm going to build my church on. Many people took it to believe to mean that Jesus was going to build his rock upon the little or his church upon the little rock Peter. Upon the little rock Peter. And that's where we get some religions from. Uh, or, or that's where some people get off is they both put a lot of faith in the in the saints, the apostles and the disciples, rather than in the Messiah. Now, notice he said, and upon this rock, this revelation that I'm the Messiah, I will build my church, semicolon, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It does not say that the gates of hell will not prevail in the world. It does not say that. It does not say that. A lot of people say, well, God's in control. The church is here. Therefore, the devil can't do anything. That is not true. The devil is the God of this world. I'll show you the scripture in just a minute. He is the God of this world. But those that understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, those that understand that he is the name above all names, then the devil cannot prevail against you. Cannot prevail against you. Now, but it says the church. That's true. The, the devil will also not prevail against the church that receives Jesus as the Messiah and puts them as the head of the church. There are churches out there. I'm not belittling people. I'm not coming against people. I'm being as nice and polite as I can be. But there's churches out there that are not following Jesus. They're following man. They're following man's ideas. They're following marketing schemes, and they are also following people that are oppressed and in some situations possessed of the devil. And therefore, the devil can run rampant. In fact, I believe, 
one of the fathers of old, I think, uh, well, I don't want to misquote him, but one of the fathers of old said this, Smith Wigglesworth, Ken, uh, Kennedy Hagan, Lester Summerall, or Roberts, one of them, I think it was probably Lester Summerall, said this. He said, he said, honestly, he said the devil comes to church more than the Christian does. Why? Because he's trying to prevent the move of God. He's, yep. he's coming to still kill and destroy everything that God's trying to do. So we've got to know who we are. Now, Jesus did not stop there. Thank God. He said, and I, if you have this revelation, if you have this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, then Jesus will give unto us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Then there's the calling. This is how the keys operate. This is how the keys work. How much do you know? When the car switched from the old, you know, the key that you stuck in the door and you turn, and then you stuck it in the ignition and you turn, and sometimes you had two different keys for that, and then they switched to these electronic things, how much do you know? A whole, world, a whole bunch of us had to learn how to use new keys. Right. We had to learn how to use new keys. Well, Jesus, and so we had to be instructed. Well, right here, the church world, the body of believers is getting new keys, and Jesus had to tell them how to use them. And he said, and whatsoever, you, uh, sh or, <clears throat> and whatsoever thou shalt bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is how you exercise authority over the devil. This is how you obtain things from heaven. How do you bind and how do you loose? With the words of your mouth. With the words of your mouth. You have to speak it. So we started the service with confessions. What were we doing? We were using the keys. We were using keys to get some information into us. Now, I want you to go back up, and I want you to look at verse 17. And, it, and uh, here, Jesus uses the word blessed. Blessed. Now, a lot of times we don't understand this word blessed. Oh, but I'm going to explain it to you. <laughs> the word blessed. The word blessed in the New Testament means to be happy, happy, happy. If you are a blessed Christian, you should not be sad, down, depressed, and a sourpuss. Or grumpy. Happy, happy, happy. You know, even in Paul's tribulations, Paul said, he said, even in my tribulations, I count myself happy. When he went before King Agrippa, he said, because King, King Agrippa was about to take Paul's life. And Paul was pleading for, really, as far as King Agrippa was concerned, Paul was there to plead for his life. But the reason that Paul was there was to minister Christ onto King Agrippa, to give King Agrippa a chance to receive Christ. And so he, in, in Acts chapter 26, he said, oh, King Agrippa, I count myself happy. Happy. And that's that same word, blessed. He said, I count myself happy. Why? Because he's being used by God. He's being used by God. God's using him. Now, God wants to use every believer. But what happens with a lot of believers is we look at ourselves. We don't look at the God in us to achieve what God's called us to do. We look to ourselves. And God never told you to serve him based on your ability. 
He said, I will make you equipped and able. He said, you'll be able to do all things through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. No matter what you're facing, no matter what God's called you to, no matter where God's called you to, if you'll go in the strength, power, might, and ability of Jesus, you cannot be overtaken. You cannot be overtaken. So that word blessed, now I love this word blessed because it means happy. It means fortunate. It means to have favor. How much do you, what we call, a lot of times people will say, well, I'm so lucky. Honey, you ain't lucky. You're blessed. You're fortunate to have God on your side. You're fortunate. But it also means to be well off. Well off. When you're blessed, you're well off. You're prosperous. Now, prosperous doesn't mean that every person that believes in Jesus is going to have a billion dollars in the bank. That's not what it means. It's not talking about a set amount of money. It means that all of your needs, wants, and desires will be supplied according to God's riches and glory. It means that you'll have enough to take care of you and your household and have extra to do the work of God. That's what it means to be prosperous. It also means to be prosperous in fellowship of friends and family and health, every, to be mentally well. But now this word is, it actually comes from another Greek word that's no longer used. And, that, and from that other word that it comes from, you get the understanding that this word means to be supremely blessed, B-L-E-S-T. B-L-E-S-T, blessed. That is an Old Testament, or that's an ancient word. It's an ancient word that goes back to blood, to blood. When you are blessed, your blessings are tied to the blood of Christ. Now, go to De- well, how, what do you mean? Go to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. By the way, we're talking about pressing to, toward the mark today. Pressing toward the mark. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And we're going to read, oh, at least until, I don't know, verse 8. All right. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Pause. 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 You got an if. If you don't have that if underlined, boxed in, circled, squared, starred, something, you need to do so. And if you don't have a Bible that you can write in, get you one. And if you don't go, oh, where I get one from? Just come see me. I got boxes of them. Boxes of them that you can write in. <gasps> you can write in your Bible? Yes. I grew up, we had one of those family Bibles, you know, one of those ones that had the art and all that, you know, that sat on the coffee table that you didn't touch. <laughs> You know, and if you touched it, you probably ought to have gloves on and turn the pages real soft and neat, you know. It wasn't quite that bad, but you get my point. So we didn't, of uh, writing, <laughs> Michael and I left the church for 12 years, grew up Episcopal, left the church for 12 years, came back because I thought mom was in a cult. I'm just being honest, that's what I thought, mom was in a cult. Had to get her out of there. Well, I got around the creek and guess what, I fell in. It's not a cult, it's the word of God. And, uh. Pastor said, uh, one of the first sermons, he said, Now, I want you to mark this in your Bible. And I said, Blasphemy! Nope. Well, that's nope. what you thought anyway. 
That's what I thought. I didn't, I didn't shout it out, but I thought it real big. I mean, I, oh, I said, oh, that's what, see, that's a cult right there writing in the Bible. No, <laughs> write in your Bible, make notes. That's what it's there for. We live in a blessed country, and we can get another one if we wear this one out. Glory to God. It says, if, right? I don't want another one either. I paid big money to have mine rebound. <laughs> that's how much I don't want another one. <laughs> it said, if, if, which means this is an option. This is optional. You get to choose. Now, here's the deal. If it's going to storm outside, and it's going to have a big thunderstorm and lightning and hail, and Michael and I say, hey, come on over to the house and come in out of the rain, and you say, well, no, I really like rainstorms, so I'm going to stand out in the middle of a big field with no trees. Well, <laughs> praise the Lord out of the mouth of babes. I hope you know Jesus. Because honestly, if you're the only thing standing in a big tall field and there's a lightning storm, what's likely to happen? And if you get in a metal boat on the lake in the middle of a storm, what's likely to happen? Even if the lake gets hit, the boat's going to feel it. How much do you know you had a choice? You could come into the house where it was safe, or you could stand out in the storm where it wasn't safe. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here God said, if, meaning you have a choice, if thou shalt do what? Listen. Listen diligently. Does that, is that where the instruction stops? No. He said you've got number one, listen. Number two, observe to do all. Wait, who are you supposed to listen to? God. There you go. Listen to God. <laughs> Now, oh, but pastor, that's Old Testament, we're New, Test we're, New we're New Testament covenant. What does the book of James say? What's the book of James say? Be a doer of the word and, and not, not a, a hearer, hearer only. only. Sounds an awful lot like if you'll listen and do. But keep going. All right, so, so we, we need to listen to the voice of the Lord our God and observe to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. That the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. He told you again. And what did he say? He said all these blessings shall do what? Come on thee and overtake come thee. Come on you and overtake you. Keep going. All right. Blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. And blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. And the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall, shall be thy basket, and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Glory to God. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouse, and in all that thou settest thy hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Verse 8. If you don't have this one marked and highlighted, you're, you, you just need to get it right. The Lord shall do what? Command. Command what? The blessing. The blessing. He's going to command the blessing. How did God create the earth and everything that's in it? He, he spoke or he commanded. When God speaks, things 
happen. When Amen. God, whatever God speaks or whatever God commands, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Now, it might come to pass later than you'd like for it to. If you're believing for the money for the bills that month to come in, honey, I'm going to tell you right now on the front side, the money's not coming early. I'm going to tell you right now, the money is not coming early. Because if it comes early, that doesn't require any faith. But it's not going to come late either. It's going to come right on time, right when you need it. And I have proven this out many times. We talked about we're going to go to Brother Randy's meetings. When the Lord began to deal with me first about going to Brother Randy's meetings because I had more time available, uh, we didn't have the funds. I mean, we never went on vacation, never did, because we just didn't have the funds. And I told Michael, I said, Lord's telling me I need to go to Brother Randy's meeting. And Michael's going, we ain't got the money. And I said, well, I understand, but this meeting that the Lord wants me to go to is right here in Gatlinburg. And we got enough, and, you know, I know it's a lot of, on the car, but we've got at least, the, you know, but we can believe for the gas money, and we'll just drive up and drive home every day. So that's what we did. And then the Lord said, then, then a few months later, six months later, because, you know, he has the one in March, and then he has the one in August, that meeting rolled around. And the Lord said, go. And she told me. I told him. And I said, well, if the Lord wants you to go, he's going to supply the money for it. He's, he, the Lord's gonna, he, he, said, he, said, he said, listen, he said, you can't, you can't put that on me. He said, if the Lord wants you to go, that's fine, but he's going to have to pay for it. Okay, Lord, you pay for it. Well, supernaturally, the money came in to where we could drive back and forth, so we did. So we did that. We rode that roller coaster for, I don't know, two or three years, going to his meetings up there, driving back and forth every day for three days. All right. So then the Lord laid it on my heart to go to one of his meetings in Branson. Michael said, ain't got the money for that one for sure. I said, well... If I believe for the money to come in, if the money comes in, can I go? He said, well, yeah, if the money comes in, you can go. Now, at this point, he was a wildland firefighter. And I'd say, okay. So, you know, it's coming down to the wire. I mean, it's coming down to the wire. And I'm like, Lord, I, gotta have, I know you told me to go, and I told you if the money comes, I'll go. And then all of a sudden, Michael get a phone call. They needed him on a fire. And it was a big fire, and he'd be working 16, 18 hours a day. And uh, Michael said, well, he said, about the time that paycheck comes in, that's going to be the meeting, so I guess you can go. Yes. Glory to God. Is that the meeting where I, I actually flew no, to the meeting No, that was in years later. That was years later. Okay. Years later. So then, so then here comes the next meeting in Tulsa. this point, he's having seven meetings a year. Seven meetings a year. Seven times a year, I'm setting my faith. Lord, you told me to go to the... And I told Michael. I, I'd go to a meeting and, they, and, and, and help Brother Randy and help do stuff. And we'd be closing up. And the, whole, and the road team would say, so we're going to see you at the next meeting? And I'd say, we're believing by faith that the money's going to come in. And they'd say, we'll see you at the next meeting. I said, well, I believe so. Just, I'm, I mean, it's, I'm choking on the words, thinking I just lied my tail end off. But if the money comes in, so then when it comes time to go to Florida, 
And I told Michael, I said, the money's coming. Well, now he's feeling the pressure because it's seven times a year. And so now he's taking the pressure on. And he's saying, honey, we cannot do this. We cannot afford to go to all these meetings, and I can't work this hard. Da, 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 da. I said, Michael, I'm not putting the pressure on you. I'm putting the pressure on God. I'm just telling you what God said to do. Well, God's just going to have to come in with the money. Okay. And he said, and the next fire I'm going on, you can't use that money because we got to get caught up on bills. Okay. Phone call comes in. He goes on a fire. He said, we ain't using that money. Okay, Lord. I said, well, Lord, he done laid his foot down. We ain't using that money. So I'm talking. I said, so you'll talk on the phone while he's gone. I'm going, you know, the meeting is right. I'm not, you're not using that money. Okay. I'm just trusting the Lord. So then I go to the mail. So the meeting starts on Tuesday evening road teams there tuesday morning and i and i'm trying to help get there and what have you so monday evening we get home mom and i get home late and we go to the mailbox and i check the mail and we get a check for a little more than what we need to go to the meeting from some insurance thing that we didn't even know was out there and i called michael on the phone I'm like answer the, he's on fire you don't always get him I'm going to answer the phone, answer the phone, answer the phone. And I call, and finally I got a hold of him at like 10.30 at night. It's a seven-hour, at that point it was an eight-hour drive. At that point it was an eight-hour because it was at Fort, Fort Walton. And I, and I called him at like 10.30 at night, and I said, honey. He said, what? And I said, guess what? He said, what? I said, we got a check in the mail for this amount of money today. And he said, well, I guess you can go. He said, he said, honey, it's like midnight where you are. I said, no, it's only 10, 1040. It'll be fine. Well, you can't go. He said, what do you plan to do? I said, well, we'll just drive through the night or drive first thing in the morning. We'll get a few hours of sleep, drive in the morning so we can be there by the evening meeting. He said, or I said, I can do that. He said, you can't go by yourself. I said, well, then I'll take mom. Well, okay. He said, well, what vehicle are you going to take? Well, I guess I'm taking the ugly dually. This thing, Dodge 1997 dually, big monster truck, monster thing that I can, I mean, I have to move the seat all the way up and all the way forward, and then I have to kind of lean to get the clutch all the way in. But, honey, we're taking it. (laughs) So we go. Now, now and we went through this for years. Why? Because we listened to what the Lord said. And now we don't even question it. And now the money comes. Now the money comes. Why? Because we're blessed. Because God said, oh, you'll be obedient? Here comes the money. I said all that to say he doesn't show up early, but he does show up on time. Amen. But look at what it says. He said, and the Lord shall command the blessing. Now, how, what did you do to cause him to command the blessing? You heard and you did. You don't have to beg, plead, or even ask God to bless you. Do you hear me? You don't even have to ask God to, to, to bless you. If you will just hear what he tells you to do and do it, then he will automatically command the blessing to you. He will autom- And when he says, when, he, when, he, when the Father God speaks out in the universe and he says, Miss Judy is following me. She's being willing. She's being obedient. She's listening. She's doing. Blessing. Go get her. What is the blessing? The blessing is everything that belongs to Jesus. All the wealth, all the power, all the ability of God 
goes straight to her because it's sealed in blood. Jesus sealed the blessing in blood at the crucifixion. Actually, where he sealed it is after the crucifixion, after he went to hell, after he paid your penalty for three days, after he paid your penalty, after he whipped the devil, after he made a show over, uh, after he rose from the dead, he ascended onto heaven and he took his blood and he applied it to the mercy seat of God. He said, Father God, I've poured my blood out for these people. Now, Father, they qualify for the blessing if they'll do your word. And the father said, so be it. Done. Done. He said, done. So, now that's Old Testament. Let's go to James. I want you to see it for yourself. Go to the book of James. Right after Hebrews, Peter, you know. Right after Hebrews. James chapter 1. Verse 22, James 1, 22. What's it say? But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. People that come and hear the word, and hear the word, and hear the word, and hear the word, and refuse to do the word are deceiving themselves. Deceiving themselves. Because Jesus said, let's go to John, big John. Chapter uh, John, I believe it's chapter 14, where we want to go. Actually, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Keep going. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. And that's a might. Right. And that your joy might be full. This is, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, Jesus speaking to us. If ye, if ye do whatsoever, I command you. If you are not doing what the word commands, because Jesus is the word made flesh. We see that in John chapter 1. If you're not doing what the word says, then you're not his friend. Now, that's a, that's a stark hardship. That's a hard revelation. Because the world says, Jesus, friend of sinners. But when you read the Bible, it was the Pharisees were mocking Jesus. And Jesus said, you, the Pharisees, the religious-minded people, call me the friend of sinners. Jesus loves every person no matter their sin. He loves them no matter what. He loves them even when they're sinning. But he does not have fellowship with us when we're in sin because sin separates us from the Father. Amen. He cannot be in the presence of sin. So if we want to be friends, if we want to have the relationship with God, if we want to have the relationship with Jesus, then we need to be a doer of the word. A doer of the word. 
Now, do we slip up, miss up, make mistakes from time to time? Absolutely, of course we do. But we don't make it, we don't say, here's what we don't say. We don't say, well, I'm a Christian. Jesus paid the price. Jesus did it all. Jesus covered every sin I've ever done and every sin that I'll ever do. Now, that's true. Therefore, I can go and sin and do whatever I want, and I'm still going to make heaven. That doesn't agree with the word. That does not agree with the word. All right. Ah, just. Yes, sir. So you, so you said Jesus cannot be in the presence of sin. Correct. That's not exactly true. Sin cannot be in the presence of Jesus. Correct. So if we're sinning in the presence of Jesus, what's going to happen to us? We're going to be removed. So, so, so God separates himself from us when we sin so that that doesn't happen to us. So that we have more time to turn around and repent and come back to him. He separates himself from us because we couldn't exist in his presence if we were sinning in his That's presence. That's correct. That's correct. Go to Galatians chapter 5 because I heard somebody say this. Well, what do you mean I can't just live any old way I want to and, 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 and that doesn't keep me safe with God? I know I'm going to kick a sacred cow. Please don't stone me. I'm going to kick a sacred cow. Please don't stone me. Once saved, always saved is not true. It's not. I'm sorry, but it's not. Go to a, go, let's look at this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Or verse 8. Let's start with verse 16. Okay. <laughs> this I say then, walk in the Spirit... And ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Your spirit, the, the eternal part of you that's alive unto God, is going to live contrary to your flesh. And your flesh is going to live contrary to your spirit. When you become a born-again believer, when you come into Christ, something changes on the inside. Your spirit comes alive onto God. And all of a sudden, on the inside, there, when you go to commit a sin, there's a red flag, there's a warning, there's a sign that goes off that says, uh-uh, I really don't want to participate with that. Now, you can override that because we have free will. But God puts that in there just because he's saying, that's going to cause you to be separated from me. Do not participate with that. We've got an internal umpire that says, uh-uh, don't do that. Now, it takes time for baby Christians to learn to control their flesh. Okay? So he's talking. So here in Galatians, he's talking to the church at Galatia. He's not talking to people that are unbelievers. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. And, he's, and this is the warning that he gives. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, 
that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice what he said. He's talking to Christians, and he said, if this is your manner of living, if this is your manner, he said, if, if those which do these things, in other words, you're doing them perpetually, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. Now, so, Pastor, are you telling me that if I step out the door and I get into envying and lust, that my salvation is lost? No. Your salvation is not fragile. But the moment that you realize you've gotten into envying and lust, you repent. You change your behavior. You change your thinking. And you get up and you go back to living clean for Jesus. Amen. And you keep doing that over and over and over until finally it sticks. That is how we live clean. But if you say, well, I can just live however I want to live, and I can do whatever I want to do, I can get... Because Jesus died for my sins. I can get tattooed, pierced, liquored up, drunk, high, envy, rob, steal, and and cheat, and I can still make heaven. That is not what the Bible says. Let every word be established in two or three witnesses. We actually have 11... Actually, I found another one the other day, 12 witnesses in the scripture that tells this, but we'll just look at one or two. Flip real quick to Philippians chapter 5, verse 5. Well, actually, let's go chapter 5, verse 3. Okay. And I entreat thee also. Where are you at? Philipp- oh, I'm uh, at 4. No, I'm sorry, Ephesians. I'm at oh, Ephesians. Okay. I'm sorry. Ephesians 5, 5. I was going, wait a second. There isn't a 5. Ephesians 5.3. Okay. Ephesians 5.3. 5.3. Okay, that's better. I'm looking at my highlighters and my marks, y'all. Okay. <laughs> um, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becomes, become a saint. So once you become saints, don't let these things be, don't let people say you're doing these things right. because you're involved in them. Well, don't. Don't be involved in them. People, people are going to say things, but don't let it be true. Right. Yeah. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. I mean, I mean, Jesus, the Holy Spirit through Paul takes this right down to even your manner of speech matters. Even your manner. I mean, he takes it down to the wire right here. All right. Well, our words are powerful. That's right. For this ye know, that no whoremonger or unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Okay, so we've got two witnesses. There's another one over in Romans. And we were talking about not hanging around the creek. And if you go down to the next verse, it says... Be not, therefore, partakers with them. So don't hang around them. Don't hang around them, because you hang around them, you're going to get into that mess. So we've got to live, we, so when, once we come into Christ, we've got to begin to change according to that inward witness on the inside. We've got to begin to change. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3. How do we begin to change? How do we, how do we begin to make this change? Um, well, y'all go to Colossians chapter three. Where are you going? I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to flip over here real quick. Uh, 
I, honestly, these scriptures were not in my notes, so I have to go find them. Second, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you're taking notes. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in other words, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are now in Christ, then you are a new creature. Old things, old behaviors, old ways are passed away. Your old sins, everything's been washed under the blood. Behold, all things become new. Now, does your, does your physical body change? No. Does your thoughts, feelings, and emotions change? No. That takes time. You've got to wash your mind with the washing of the word, which is what we're doing to help you change your mind. But your spirit, the real man on the inside, has changed. And now God sees you as the righteous, the righteous saint of God. And now God is leading you to go the right way. You've had a heart transplant, so to speak. So in Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2 tells us how to begin to put on this new behavior. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. All right. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, sorry, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Glory to God. And then he goes right on, and he said, and then he goes right into, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. In other words, at this moment, begin to tell your flesh, no. How are you going to do that? Go back to verse 1. What's it say? Verse 1 says, what? Read it to me, somebody. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. If you are risen with Christ, when you have received the new birth, you're automatically risen with Christ. So once you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are to begin to seek the things of heaven. You are, begin, you are to begin to seek the knowledge of God. You are to begin to seek the mindset of Christ. You are to begin to say, okay, Father, how am I supposed to do life your way? How do I do it your way? Seek those things which are, so he tells us, seek those things which are above. Well, what's above? Heaven. The, earth, the, the Bible's very clear that heaven is beyond, beyond space. It's beyond, what, beyond our known space. Heaven is above. That's where we set our attention. He said, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 gives us a whole lot of help. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affection. That word set, circle it, underline it, box it, do something with it. That word set means that this is something that you can do on purpose. This is something that you can do on purpose. And that word affection. Affection means the things that you think on and the things that you, and it even, it even includes, believe it or not, listen to me, they're going to help somebody, going to help you get set free. It even includes your feelings and your emotions. To set your feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions are influenced. You can't trust your feelings and emotions. You can't trust them. Because they roller coaster all over the place. They, they you, I mean, you know, one minute you're happy, the next minute you're sad. And it's all influenced by what you see, feel, touch, 
by your five natural senses. But if you will train your feelings to be moved by the spirit instead of by your natural senses, then your feelings will begin to line up to the spirit and then your feelings will begin to be set on the things above. The things above. I'm telling you, when I came into Christ, I loved the things of the world. I grew up on rock and roll. Woo, yeah, Jesus. Party time and all that good stuff. I grew up on going to the movies. If a new movie came out, honey, we had to go see. R-rated, it didn't matter. We watched those when we were kids. Who cares, right? I mean, we watched them. I'm telling you what. That's because we grew up in the pot, and the water was getting hotter and hotter. I'm telling you what. Wrong pot, he thought. Not that pot. No. No. Wrong pot. Boy, your mind went to the wrong place. Well, I mean, it was around. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, how do I dig myself out of that ditch, Lord? Help me. <laughs> what I'm saying is when I came into Christ, I was very worldly. But I began to think on God. I began to think on the Word. When God said, if a thought comes and it, go, and it, and it goes against what my Word says, cast it down i would cast it down when the word said that instead of doing the things of the flesh instead walk in love joy peace patience goodness kindness meekness gentleness and self-control then that's what i began to do how did you get there i said it all the time i said it all the time i took the nine fruits of the spirit and i wrote them down i almost wrote them on my hand but i wrote them down and i mean i had that paper and i'd read I walk in, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. And then I got to where I would go, they're love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. And I'd go right through them again. And I mean, I just, everywhere I went, I just said it and said it and said it and said it and said it. Why? Mark eleven twenty three twenty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thy removed, and be thy cast into sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that whatsoever he shall say, he shall have it. So if I said it, and 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 said it, first of all, I'm going to have it, and second of all, if I'm saying it, I'm not thinking about the other stuff that I'd like to be doing right now. But guess what? I'm now to the point where the other stuff is not appealing. Bless this sweet girl's heart. She said, oh, Pastor, I went and saw a movie. I said, oh, really? What movie did you see? She told me. in PG-13. No big deal, right? As she said, but she told me the name of the movie. And I said, oh, God, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. But when I was her age, I would. It was. She's talking about herself. I'm talking about, about myself because I've gotten my eyes so affectionate on heaven that I don't want anything. It wasn't, I'm not saying it was a bad movie. I'm saying I don't want anything that even resembles the devil. I've gotten to that point. Now, have I arrived? Oh, Lord Jesus, no, I've not arrived. arrived. And we're not going to arrive till we get to the end. Go to Philippians chapter 3. I planted myself right here on these verses when I first started with God. These verses I'm giving you, I planted myself in them. This is Paul talking. Now, let me tell you who Paul was. I got time. I got time. Yeah, I got time. Good. All right. I know this last half hour goes fast. Y'all listen good. Paul, before he was known as Paul, first of all, his, God did not change Paul's name. Paul's name is Saul Paul. That's his first and middle name. When he was a Pharisee, he went by Saul. When he, became, when he came into Christ and he started ministering for Christ, he started going by his second name, 
Paul. See, because he was infamous by the name Saul. Yes. So when, when, when Jews heard the, and Christians heard the, the name Saul, they were like, whoa, them. we better hide. You know, so he had, he had to start going by Paul or else they would never listen to him. They would be running from him. Right. So when he, when he lived as Saul, he persecuted Christians and not just the men. He persecuted the women. He persecuted the children. He persecuted, if you said, I'm a Christian, he was taking you to be tortured. And he was helping you to be, and he helped you to be tortured. He was there and approved the stoning of Stephen. While Stephen preached the word and his face shined like that of an angel. Saul was so blinded by the devil that he sat on his horse and held their coats while they stoned Stephen to death. Now, Saul then went on to, he, was, he went to the Pharisees, the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, and he went and he got papers that allowed him to go through all of Rome to collect Christians, Jesus followers, so that they could be tortured to death. And he was on the road to Damascus with these papers to go hunt Christians. He was hunting. He was hunting humans. Can you imagine that, my hunters? Can you imagine? He's hunting humans. That's what he's doing. He's so deceived by Satan. And all the while that he's doing it, he thinks he's doing it for God. He believes he's doing God's work. There's a lot of people out there that do stuff that's not in agreement with the Bible, and they are 100%. You will not convince them otherwise. They believe they're serving God. And that's where Saul was. That's where Saul was. And so Saul, now Saul was a highly educated man. He was one of the top Pharisees. Uh, he was, <clears throat> he commanded the, the military type troops that went and hunted. I mean, obviously he's a strong man. He's very educated. I mean, and he goes through and he, in this chapter, he talks about all of his credentials as a Jew. He, and a Roman. He talks about all of his credentials. He's both Roman. He's, he's a Jew. He's a Jewish, he's a Roman Jewish, or Jew. He's Jewish and lives in Rome. He's a citizen of Rome. So he's got all the citizen rights of Rome. He's got all the citizen rights of, Jew, of the Jews. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows the law inside and out. He knows this stuff. And he's on the road to Damascus. And all of a sudden, there's a bright, shining light. Jesus appeared to him in his full glory. And it struck him blind. And he, and he heard, out of the light, Saul heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why kickest against the pricks? In other words, Saul, all the evidence is right here in front of you, and yet you still choose to deny it. All the evidence that I am the Messiah is right in front of you, and you still refuse to see it and receive it. Why? Well, now he's been struck blind. Not only was he struck blind, but all the men that were with him, when God shows up, man can't stand. All the men that were with him, because remember they were hunting humans, hunting Christians. All the men that were with him fell backwards like dead men. Fell like dead men. Took a while for them to get up. And then, and, and Jesus told Saul, Go over to this house. There's going to be a man that's going to come, and he's going to minister to you. And, and 
what have you. So the guys that were with him had to escort Paul because he was blind. So he's blind and he has to go to uh, the Tanner's house or uh, over to this other house. And and God sends a, men, sends a gentleman to minister to Christ to him. And he receives Christ. And when he receives Christ, he receives his sight. So then Paul begins to study the word as, with the understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Paul didn't just jump right out there and start ministering. He placed himself in the church. He placed himself in the church with the disciples for a period of several years and got his own thinking right and dealt with his own flesh. Now, let's pick up where he's talking here. So he's in, in chapter 5 he, or chapter 3, he's giving his own, he's, he's saying, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I've got all this going for me. So if anybody can boast in their ability or in their, in their duty to God, I can boast. Because now I'm preaching the word. But look at verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ, or he, Christ Jesus. He said this. He said, I'm not... He said, despite all of my education, despite all of my knowledge, despite all of my experience, despite how God's been using me, he said, despite all of that, I don't count myself as mature in God or perfect in God. That word perfect means mature. Basically, Paul said, I still have some growing to do. I have growing to do. And then he said, he said, I still have some growing to do, but I follow after. In other words, He's looking to Christ, and he's following Christ's examples. If that I might apprehend uh, that for which I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. He said, basically what he said is he said, listen, he said, I have not arrived with God yet. But as much as God's got a hold on me, I've got a hold on God. And I'm not letting him go. I am not letting go because there's still more I have to learn. There's still more I have to do. There's still more I can, that I can grow in. There's still more that I can do. This is the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he said, I have not yet gotten there. So if he hasn't gotten there, how much do you know? We ain't gotten there either. So he did this. Let's keep going. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. He said, this one thing I do, I forget that which is behind. How much do you know Paul had some things that he could beat himself up for? How much do you know the devil could come against Paul and say, Oh, remember that family over there? Remember how you tortured them? Remember how they screamed? for mercy and you had no mercy on them and now you want the mercy of God how much do you know he could have beat himself up big he could have beat himself up big he, the devil could have said oh you think you're big and a good believer in Jesus you couldn't believe in Jesus so Jesus struck, struck you blind and you think you're a character of faith how much do you know the devil could have said some things to him about his past but Paul said this one thing I do I forget what I was as a sinner. I forget my past. 
Now, don't look I back. Sur- I do not look back. I do not look back. You can pinpoint a Christian that is not turned forward to Christ by the words of their mouth. If they're always talking about when I was a sinner, I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. They're backwards. They're, they're, their body is facing Jesus, but they're looking back here and they're looking all of that. And therefore, they can't see Jesus. You've got to make the decision, I'm letting that go. This is a big, heavy pulpit. It's not easy to move. If I grab a hold of this thing and I say, okay, I'm going forward, how much you know? It's not, I'm not, I'm not going to make any ground. If I do make ground, I'm going to wear myself out making a little bit of ground. You've got to let it go. You've got to leave it behind. You've got to put that old man in the grave. I don't talk about my past other than to say I was a hot mess. Now, if I'm counseling you and there's something that I had in my past that I can personally help you with, I'll give you just enough information to tell you how to overcome it. But I'm not going to glorify what the devil did in me and through me. I was a hot mess. But now, instead of looking back here, this is what repentance does. Failing to repent will keep you looking backwards. But when you repent, when you get right with God, when you receive Jesus, you can look straight forward. You can take that old background and you can just leave it. And then you put your eyes on Jesus and you say, that's the mark. That's the destination. That's where I'm going. If I slip, if I trip, I'll repent, but I'm staying on the path and I'm going to Jesus. That's the mark. That's the mark. That's the mark. See, when we're pressing towards the, the mark of the high calling... It's, it's, we're, we're trying to become more like Jesus. We're trying, to, and what did Jesus say about himself? Who was Jesus? He said that when, when you see me, you see my Father. Jesus was the Word. Jesus was the Bible. He, 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 when he spoke, he spoke the things that his Father said. He was speaking the words of the Bible. So we're to do the same. When we're supposed to keep our eyes on, on the, the high things, we're supposed to keep our eyes on what's in the Bible. And, and as we as we progress, as we become mature, more mature, the Bible says that when 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 people look on His followers, they will see Him. So when they start to see you, see Him in you, and they do that because you're speaking about the Bible, you're speaking the words that His Father spoke, and you're doing it. When they start to see that in you, then you know you're on the right path. Then you know you're 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 becoming. We'll never make it all the way, because we can't. But we press towards it. We desire for it. We set our affections on it, so that we can become like him. And that's what, it, that's what pressing towards the mark of the high calling is. That's where we're going. That's the destination we're supposed to keep our eyes on. That's why we can't look back, because if we look back to what we were, we'll never get to where we're going. That's right. That's when you, you know, get when you get lost in the woods, you you pick a point way out in the distance that you can see a tree or a stone or a rock or something like that, and you keep your eyes on that because you know around here, you get you, up, you, you start easy. climbing up a mountain, you get to the top, and all of a sudden you're facing the wrong direction. If you don't have that destination in mind, you're not going to get there. You're going to end up lost in the woods. That's right, and it's the same way. It's the same way spiritually. So, well, gosh. That mark of Jesus looks so far away. I just don't know that I can get there. But I'm somebody that's farther along the path than you are. 
that's steady and stable and work to their point. When I came into the body of Christ, I looked to my pastor. I looked to my pastor and I said, I want to get to where he's at. I want to get to the place where I can pray like he prays. I want to get to the place where I can stand in faith like he, like he stands in faith. I want to get to the place where I can lay hands on the sick and they will recover like he does. I want to get to the place where he's got a good moral character. I want to get to that place. So I put my eyes on him and I followed him. And then darn him, he went home prematurely. But God had my back because he already had me connected to Brother Randy which is my spiritual father. That's who I lean on in this day and this hour. Now, he's not my pastor. I have other people who are my pastors. But I look to Brother Randy because there's a special connection between him and between him and us. And so I look to him. And I follow his example. Because when it gets dirt, because he's come up against some things. I mean, he's come up against some things. If you don't know Brother Randy, I'll get you his testimony out here after service. Uh, but he was uh, raised in a good Pentecostal, a good Pentecostal home, uh, but got over into the, got into the creek, got into drugs and alcohol and all this, and ended up going to prison, 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 death row, Holman prison, down in Alabama, where he spent over 10 years of his life in prison with life without parole on the Habitual Offenders Act. But God got a hold of him on his third escape from prison. And he told him. In fact, he was getting ready to do one more robbery. He already had his fake IDs and everything over in Texas. He was getting ready to do one more robbery, and then he was going to Mexico to live in Mexico for the rest of his life. And uh, God got a hold. God, the Spirit of God, the power of God came into the van that he was in, and the power of God told him, this is your last chance. You surrender to me right now, or your life is done, and you'll, go and spend, in, you'll spend uh, eternity in hell separated from me. And in that moment, Brother Randy received God, and God supernaturally set him free of the demons that, that had a hold of him, and he's been serving God ever since. In fact, he, went, he pulled over the van. The girls that were with him said, he's crazy, and went out of the van, and he ain't seen them since. And, then, and, and he weeped and cried on to God, and, and he said, God, I give you my life. What do I do? And, he, and then God said, look up. And so he looked up. He said, look to your left. I believe it was to his left. Look to your left. And... Uh, he looked over there, and he said, you see that police officer over there? He said, yes, sir. He said, go turn yourself in. Tell him who you truly are, because he had a whole bunch of fake IDs. He said, go tell him who you truly are. Tell him everything that you've done, and turn yourself into him. And if you'll serve me, I'll get you out of the mess that you've gotten yourself into. And that's exactly what they did, exactly what he did. And the police officer thought he was crazy or high or something until he got across the radio. Now they can do it in a split second. There they had to do the radio and they had to look him up and all that crazy stuff. So at first the, the officer was like, okay, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. And then when they called across the back to the radio and told him who he truly was, he was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. They had to put him in a plane, on a plane in shackles, get him back to Alabama and take him to prison. He escaped from, from jail three times. He was on his, or prison. He was on his third escape. Third escape. Anyways, God supernaturally got a hold of him. He served God. He got a hold of some teachings from Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan, and God supernaturally connected him to Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan, and he has been serving God ever since. And uh, he's got an international ministry, and I'm telling you what, that man is solid. But 
when all this craziness hit the churches, when all these churches started embracing all this goofy stuff, and he called it out ahead of time, a whole bunch of ministers that used to love to have him come in all of a sudden told him that he was a crazy and a lunatic and he had done lost his mind. So he's come under a lot of a lot of storms and a lot of hard places and a lot of things. Michael and I have dealt with a lot of storms and a lot of hard things on a very tiny scale in comparison to what he's dealt with. But I've always looked to him and I've looked at his steadiness and that's given me steadiness because every time I'd go to him and I'd look... One of his old sayings, he don't say too much anymore, but he used to say he'd be he was down lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. Down low. I'd go into his meetings looking low. I'd see him at camp looking low, and he just, he's got this way of just looking at you. And it's like God's reading your mail, like right then. You're like, please stop downloading right now. If you've met him, you know. And so and you're like, oh, man. And so he'd just look at me and appear, you know, and he'd say, it's going to be all right. God's on your side. God's with you. And you just melt like a puddle. Oh, okay, God's with me. But how much you know? That's why I put my faith. Now, I still, keep, I still keep my eye on him, but now my eye's on Jesus. Because I've, I've gotten, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, in some areas, I believe I have passed my pastor. But in other areas, I have yet to come close to him. In other areas, I've yet to come close to him. So this is a progressive work. This is a progressive work, becoming like Christ, pushing toward that mark. Now, one last verse. I want you to go to uh, Colossians, no, Philippians, Philippians. I'm trying to decide. Nope. Two verses. Sorry. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Verse 12, all right. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That verse, that verse used to give me trouble. What does it mean, work out my salvation with fear and trembling? What it means is to have such reverential uh, it's the reverential awe of God that you are scared to displease God, or or you are you've got such reverential fear that you are that you understand that no sin is worth the risk of hell. No sin is worth it, and therefore it helps keep you clean. And that's why he says work uh, work out that basically that word work out. We automatically think of exercise, but that workout means finish and complete the assignment of salvation. That's really what it means, is finish and complete the assignment of salvation because of the love, reverence, and fear that you have for God. Because you just, you understand there's a spirit realm. Listen to me, the spirit realm is, is real. You're going to spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. Mm -hmm. You're going to spend, that's where you, if you leave your body, you're either going to go up or you're going to go down. And I assure you, you do not want to go down. Either way, it's going to be forever. I, I, I said this, I don't have time to give the whole testimony, but I said this. My aunt came and lived with us for a short season. And she ended up going into the hospital and having some issues. And she basically decided, that's it, I'm done, I'm ready to go. To eternity, whatever that looks like. I'm, I'm just ready to check out. 
but she did not have Jesus. And we were in deep intercession for her salvation, deep intercession for her salvation. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know what to pray or what to ask to help her get there. But she told me many years ago that she would not check out of this world until she knew what her future looked like. I said, so, Lord, I need you to show her. This was by unction of the Holy Ghost. I said, Lord, I know that you can let people see things in the spirit. Father, if it's possible, send a messenger of God with a, with, with a, with a vision or show her, help her to see over into eternity. And the last week and a half before her death, she was in complete and utter terror. We would go into the nursing home with her, and her eyes would be big like saucers and tears running down her face, and she was in panic, and she was in anxiety, and the medicine did not help, and she would just complete, she would just say over and over again, they... It's really bad at night, but there's people torturing me. There's people being mean to me. There's people doing bad, mean things to me, and there's nothing I can do to defend myself. I mean, she was in absolute terror, and it was worse at night. And all we could do, and then, and then, by the grace of God, she said, she told mom, she said, "There's a light about you." There's because she kept saying these people were very dark. Very dark people. And, and then she said, told mom, she said, there's a light about you. And, and, and mom said, oh, that's God. And so then mom questioned her, is there a light about with Robbie? Is there a light about with Mike? Is there a light with your daughter Trish? And she said, yeah, there is a light with them. Then she said, so mom told her, that's because we all have God, because we've received Jesus. And Jan, the only thing that will make the dark go away is Jesus. You've got to receive Jesus, and the dark and the torment will go away. Will go away. And then God was so merciful because, because these, these demons showed up during the daytime, these dark people that she was seeing in the spirit showed up in the daytime, and one, there were five of them that would come in her room, and one began to walk around, and get over by mom, and Jan would go into a complete panic that this dark creature was going to grab mom. And mom said, and mom, out of the boldness of the Holy Ghost, said, that thing can't touch me. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. And, and Jan said, instantly, those creatures left. Instantly, they left. Power and authority. And so I went in there, and I told my aunt. I tried to talk to her about, about salvation. I tried to talk to her, and I tried to talk. And she would not talk to me about it. She was a stone trap, would not talk to me about it. So I prayed, and I said, I said God, I need to know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And I, thought, and I heard the Holy Ghost say, you have to accept her choice. So I sat back up by the side of her bed, tears running down my face, trying to get my words out. I said, Jan? I said, that dark creature that's a tormenting you is your eternity. I said, and this is just a taste. This is just, this is just a tiny taste. I said, if you feel that you deserve that and you want that, then you can have it. I said, but you don't deserve it. I said, but Jesus came so that you could be set free. Jesus loves you, and he wants to make the darkness go. But if you choose the darkness, 
much as I hate it, as much as I despise it, I will accept it. And she said, okay. The next two and a half days, I just go in and say, you ready to receive my Jesus? No, not today. You ready to receive my Jesus? No, not now. And I finally said, Selder, I said, here's the deal. I don't have to be here. I said, you can just simply say, Jesus, I need you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I know you died for me. I, I said, just call on him. I said, you call on my Jesus, and he'll fled into this place, and he'll, he'll come right beside you, and he'll take you to heaven with him. Thursday, we went and transferred her. We walked into her, we walked into her room, and the atmosphere had totally changed. She was at total peace. She was, at, she was totally calm. She'd fight the nurses. She'd fight the staff. Everything we tried to do with her was a fight. She was cooperative with everything we did because we were moving facilities. And she was cooperative. She was nice. She was sweet. Mom and I were both looking at each other going, do you, do you sense that change in the atmosphere? I said, yeah, I sense that. I said, something's changed. But she was, she was at such peace, she wasn't communicating with us. Okay, so we get her over to the nursing home, get her settled. Mom gets up that morning. Mom says, I'm okay with the atmosphere. I think I'm going to go by myself today. I said, okay, okay. So she went by herself. Mom called me around, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And my aunt did not want us to leave. It was always a fight to get out. And mom called me around four. Actually, it was closer to four, <clears throat> which was weird. And she said, I'm headed home. I said, what do you mean you're headed home? And she said, well, she said, I think Jan got saved. I said, well, oh, tell me what happened. She said, well, you know, that atmosphere changed. And I said, yeah. She said, well, she kept talking about these babies. She, just, she kept saying there was a baby over here and some little girls over there, and she just wanted to go play with the children. I just want to go play with the children. And I said, Okay. And I said, but how do you, how, why do you think she got saved? And she said, well, she said, I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden she looked over at me, and she said, Ann, I'm okay. You can go home. And Mom said, Jan, are you sure? Are you sure you, I can go home? She said, yep, I'm okay. You can go home. And Mom said, well, Jan, I just want to remind you one more time. You just got to receive the light. And Jan said, I've got God in my heart. Now, Mom being a stickler for the word, Said, Jan, God's good, but you got to have Jesus. And my aunt said, I got Jesus in my heart. I'm good. I'm good. Praise the Lord. We got a phone call around 830. It was her daughter. Because all three of us got unknown numbers. How much you know you don't answer the unknown numbers? So none of us answered the phone. So mom gets a phone call from her niece who's up in Maryland and is in bald out, I mean, breakdown, meltdown, tears. Couldn't get her, couldn't understand her. And she was going, Mom's gone to hell! Mom's gone to hell! Mom's gone to hell! I'm so devastated! Mom's gone to hell! My mom said, Trish, Trish, calm down, calm down. It's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. She said she didn't make hell, she made heaven. You're just saying that. She said, no, let me tell you what happened. She said, are you sure? And I said, we said, we're sure. The only reason we didn't call you and tell you is because we wanted one more day to make sure. And she didn't give us one more day. So we're sure. So there is a heaven. There is a hell. And I said that to say this. If I had any doubt. Now I want you to think about this. A lot of people don't like this. I was even told that when I talk about this that it turns people off. But I don't care. <clears throat> Jesus talked about it. Devils. Satan. 
and demons are real. They are real. They are absolutely real. And I have dealt, and even though I have dealt with people that have had demons living on the inside of them and we have evicted them, not, not looking for them. If they show up, we'll deal with them, but I'm not looking for them. That's not wisdom. <clears throat> even though I had dealt with that, I told my family and I told this church, if I had any doubt in my mind that when you die, you go up or you go down. After seeing what my aunt went through, I have no doubt that you immediately leave your body and that if, you don't, if, if the angels don't escort you to heaven, the demons will escort you to hell. I believe it with everything in me. You can't talk me out of it. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, here's the deal. I said I got one more verse. You don't have to do it on your own. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We got good news. You don't have to do it on your own. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 6. Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that we which hath begun, or that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus if Christ. You won't quit on Christ. Christ won't forget. Won't quit on you. Amen. If you'll just stay with Jesus, He's going to help you get over the humps. If that 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 sin issue, that that old man issue that you're having a hard time conquering, Jesus will stay right with you until you conquer it. If you'll stay with Him, you just got to stay with Him because here's the deal: it's not you doing it; it's Jesus in you doing it. It's Him in you doing it. Well, glory to God! I've preached myself happy and satisfied. Amen. And encouraged in the word. Glory to God. Well, before we do our tithes and offerings, I don't know everybody's heart, but God does. But God does. So I'm going to ask you to do this. If everybody will just bow their head, close their eyes. And it's not, the only reason we do that is to give people respect because it's a private moment. So if you'll bow your head, close your eyes, I just want to ask you this. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have not said from your heart, now your head can have a problem with it. You can say, I don't understand how that works, and that's fine. But if you know on the inside, if you've got that draw on the inside that, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the help you need, that Jesus is the one that can make the darkness go, and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to pray with you right now. All you have to do is slip your hand up. And the only reason I ask you to do that is so that I know that I'm praying with somebody. Praise God. According to this, looks like we're good. But I don't take that for a record for sure. If you say, well, I prayed it once, but I just don't know. I don't have that. I don't, I don't know that I know that I'm heaven bound. I don't know that if I leave out of here, if I'm going up or down, then you need Jesus. And I'm going to do it this way. We're going to pray this together. And if you mean it from your heart, then you're saved. So let's pray this together. So Father God. Father God. I believe. I believe. In my heart. In my heart. Even if my head has a problem. Even if my head has a problem. In my heart. In my heart. I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus. Is your son. Is your son. And he died for me. And he died for me. And God raised him from the dead. And God raised him from the dead. 
So from my heart. From my heart. I confess. I confess. And I receive. And I receive. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my Savior. And as my Savior. And Father. And Father. I thank you for receiving me into your family. And I thank you for receiving me into your family. It's that easy. Amen and amen. And if you prayed that from your heart, then you're born of the family of God. Jesus lives in you. The old man has passed away. The new man has come in. And now the work begins. Praise God. Glory to God. And if you have been saved, and I know a lot of you are, if you'll be a doer of the word, you don't have to beg, plead, and borrow God to cause the blessing to come. Amen. He'll send it to you by default. However, the Bible does say that you should ask for things. So, so when you pray, you right. should ask the Lord for things that line up with his Absolutely. word. Absolutely. So to exercise your faith. Absolutely. Because the more you exercise your faith, the more the stronger it becomes. Absolutely. And it's, it's not just from exercising, but it's from hearing the word. That's right. So we, we're, we're to hear the word, hear the word, hear the word, and then we're to exercise our faith, and that grows our faith. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Well, tithes and offerings. We give tithes onto the Lord because it's right and proper, 10% of our increase. Um, you know, if it wasn't for God blessing us with an increase, we wouldn't have an increase. Amen. So it's only fair and proper to give him back a tenth of what's already his. That's right. So that's what the tithe is. And with the tithe comes tithers' rights. That's another teaching for another's day. But basically, tithers' rights is God uh, enables you to kick the devil out of your life, and he will cause your stuff to go farther, last longer, and just everything to work out better for you. And then an offering is anything above the 10%, which God uses to bring you increase. And so we sow tithes and offerings at every service. If you want to sow, you sow. If you don't, you don't. That's between you and God. And if you're grumpy about it, don't sow. It won't do you any good. Because the Bible says that God, that God uh, wants us to be a joyful giver. Amen. And so, Father, we give with a joyful heart. Yeah. You're going to bless yeah. Lord, we thank you for the many uh, blessings and revelations today. We thank you for, for giving your word to be spoken by your servants here today. We, we accept it with gratefulness and humbleness of heart. And we want to sow into your kingdom, Lord, so that, so that your work can be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we, we thank you for everything you've done and sacrificed for us. And we know that if we give unto your kingdom, you give us the ability to rebuke the devourer in your name. So, Satan, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not only take our things or our health, you will not take this word that is sowed in our hearts. It will grow and it will bear fruit in our lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you bless this offering, that you, that you, that you make it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the furthering of your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Father. Satan, we bind you off of the people's increase in Jesus' mighty name. You release every increase that belongs to them. You release the sevenfold return on everything that you've stolen. Angels, according to the word, go on behalf of the, uh, uh, behalf of the saints of the inheritance. Father, uh, angels, go cause the money to come, the increase to come in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Father, we thank you that the word is working and that the word is true. And Father, I thank you for that great increase. Amen. Boy, it's a good thing we got a clock on the back wall. Mine was still on Pensacola time. I could have preached for another hour according oh, no. to my clock. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, we've got prayer at 5 for, the, for our prayer warriors. And then at 6, we've got healing school. And then Wednesday, we start foundation. So Wednesday nights will not be live for the next four to six weeks because we're actually going to be teaching on basic Bible 
just your foundations of, you know, basic words that a lot of people don't know, where the Bible came from, how to study your Bible, and all of that on Wednesday nights at 7. Other than that, we are done.